Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. And with me today, I have Mr. Petrol Ped. Hello, or Peter. Hello, mate. How are you? Very good. Very good. It's good to be back. It is. It, I was looking at it, and the last time you were on the podcast was October 2019, and it was it was ep- wow. episode 19, which is, is quite a long <laughs> quite a long time ago, actually. When nobody knew what COVID was. No, no, I know, and I've I've been <laughs> speaking to a couple of people recently. Of like, I've had a few people back on of since before, and it's like we just had no idea at that point in time what was what was coming. It's funny. I was watching the the new series of Drive to Survive mm. on Netflix, and and in the first one, they're kind of talking about COVID, and it's retrospectively looking back at it now, oh, yeah. how innocent some of the comments were, and how they they were like, Ooh. and and you look back now and think, wow, what did, we just didn't know. <laughs> I know, and you you almost sort of get like angry, You're like what are you guys doing? It's like no, at the time, yeah. this is what every this is how everyone was acting, and just a real like drop in. For me, it's like, yeah. you're quite a big F1 fan, aren't you? I do like my F1, yeah. I like all motorsport, to be honest, but I just think, yeah, I do like my F1. I know it's boring and dull and predictable sometimes, but um, I don't know what it is about it. It just has this kind of, this aura. I've always loved it and always look forward to the races. This season, especially, I'm looking forward to I think it's going to be really uh, much better than last year, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. I, I've, I'm sort of like not really an F1 fan that's becoming an F1 fan. And I'm probably one of those mm. annoying people that I used to vaguely follow, like one race a year, two races a year, see what was happening, whatever. And then I watched season one of Drive to Survive. It was amazing. I think for most people, when they watched it, uh, and if any of your listeners ha- haven't watched it, it's it's so worth it because you get this you get this completely different view of the sport. Yeah, I, I mean, I and. 
I watched the first series and you just think, how how did anybody agree to do to doing yeah. this? It's it's amazing. The access and the, some of the conversations they 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 actually put out is amazing. It is, and it's. I think um, F one for so many years. I don't want to talk about F one very much, but F one for so many mm. years has been this closed off thing that you're like you can see the mm. races, you can see the results, but you're not really you don't really get any driver opinions. You don't really get too many no. stories unless you're really really deep 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 into it. You don't know about these things, mm. and that yeah. series for the casual observer has just made it so much more interesting because it's made it about the people. Yeah. Yeah. Gunter Steiner, who knew what a legend he was until Drive to Survive. (laughs) No, absolute hero. So what, I mean, what have you been up to since I last saw you? Well, I know you've you've been up to a lot. You've been smashing out videos left, right and centre. Yeah. Uh, I guess YouTube wise, um, I guess the biggest thing, bear in mind we were talking about COVID, that when, and it's funny, I was looking back, because obviously lockdown in the UK started a year ago yesterday, and I yeah. went back onto the channel to see which video dropped. And and it was exactly 12 months ago that I announced that, because in the video I say, we think lockdown's going to last three weeks, and I'm going to do a video every day for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> talking about, if you like, innocent view of what was going to happen. Yeah. And and I did, a, I called it the COVID-19 daily vlog, which... Uh, some people thought was very distasteful, but I just thought it was amusing. Yeah, yeah, and I did a video a day, every day, for what turned out to be 10 weeks. Now, as a YouTuber that does cars in a time when you're not allowed to drive, that was, um, <laughs> it was quite interesting. So, Did you have to, uh, like, get seriously creative in that journey? Yeah, very. Uh, two, a couple of things. One, I had, I did lots of bits of, little modifications and stuff to my car. So I worked with brands that sent me, I don't know, dechroming kits and and things I could do with my car. My favourite one, I just, I've got two minis. My next door neighbour that lives in the farm next door, they've got five minis. Um, so in the little set of um, converted barns, we, we had 10 minis. So we ran a mini car meet in the middle of lockdown. Nice. Uh, all socially distanced, of course. Um, and then the genius idea was actually my other half suggested it that i asked my subscribers to send me reviews of their cars ah. um i called them peddlers rides and i did three of those a week um and that was that was a really nice great way for people to get their content onto youtube but a great way for me to put stuff out and it must have been so good that johnny smith now does it on the late break show <laughs> cars the people the way he got that idea from <laughs> um but yeah it was good and it and it what it did for me, one, it kept me, gave me something to do, but it, it increased the engagement in my audience a huge amount. Okay. Um, and that, that subsequently kind of helped me, I think, and seen benefits. But it was, it was good fun too. Because mm, you've recently, although I, I commented on the video, because you, you recently <laughs> posted the video saying you've just hit 100,000 subscribers, which I believe you are right now. And then I look at oh, the yeah. video and it was like 99.99. I was like, ah, yeah. not yet. <laughs> So, so this is called counting your chickens. So, uh, yes, I, uh, you, you're a content creator, so you know you have this content plan, and, and I've always said I'll put three videos out a week. Yeah. Um, and now at the moment, at the moment, it's actually four. That's a lot. Um, and I, I knew I was going to hit 100,000 subscribers. You, you see your growth, and I was growing at just over 200 subscribers a day. And I did the rough maths, and I thought, well, I'll hit that Monday morning. Um, so I'll put a video out on Monday about me hitting 100,000 subscribers. And I filmed it at the beginning of the weekend 
edited it, scheduled it, and literally the second it was scheduled, my subscriber growth rate just hit the floor <laughs> and, and was growing at like 50 a day. And, and it just dragged its heels. So I didn't actually hit 100 subscribers, 100,000 subscribers till the Friday. So five days later. I thought, I thought much, what to, might have, much to the amusement of the internet. <laughs> what might have happened is you'd posted it and then a whole bunch of people just to be the internet had gone unsubscribe. <laughs> they did. They did. Yeah. So I was going onto my, um, onto my creator studio and I was losing like five or 10 or 15 at a time. And, and I was going backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so it was my my bad but i'm there now so no, no, i mean no. it, 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 it's it's been a goal of mine for a long time so you can uh, but that was amusing you can round up 99 to 100 i know you don't get do you get a play button of sorts yes you do yeah you get a silver one yeah that's the the one i don't know i think when i started i saw some channels that are now massive getting their first mm. play button and thought i want one of them and that's been my motivator for a long time. So to to know I'm, you don't get it for ages afterwards though. So okay, the pro YouTube spot that you've got your hundred thousand subscribers, and apparently, although it hasn't happened yet, it, in your creator studio you get a little message from them, and then you can apply for your play button. Okay, and then they post it to you. But that it doesn't normally come until maybe six months after you've actually hit hundred thousand subscribers. That that so would be a... it. Will, it will happen. Cool. Uh, that must, that's a really cool thing, I think, because we've all seen these play buttons of various yeah. colours and sizes and whatever. And to be able yeah. to have one of your own is It's going to go on sick. the wall just there, nice. just behind me <laughs> on my office. You've you got, you got the spot ready for it. I've got the spot ready. I saw you did a video. I, I watched it. It was uh, a week ago, two weeks ago, about the sort of how to get to or what you've done to get to 100,000 subscribers. Um yeah. And I thought that was the one I put out early. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I thought that was quite interesting. Like the journey and the things you've done and the things you've learned over time about growing an audience and maintaining an audience and building a community and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think I think it would be a surprise to a lot of people who watch YouTube how much effort is involved. I think don't get me wrong. There are some channels that just explode because you know, they'll get a, a viral video or, or something that will make them just go from nothing to massive. But it, uh, that tends not to happen so much in the car space. Yeah, I think car channels, it, unless you've got, a, I mean, I even know people who've got big exotic garages full of supercars who struggle to kind of get the growth. So it, you, there's no substitute from, uh, apart from just hard work and, and regular content. And for me, it was always a case of, being very engaged with my followers. So when people comment on videos, you know, I'll, I'll try and, uh, and and answer answer them back. It's getting a bit more difficult now because I just, it's just time. I, I, you know, if I don't look at my comments for a day, then that's two or three hours worth of work just to catch back up again. So yeah, um, that's, that's such a time commitment. <laughs> I think that's my favorite bit about, because I've sort of experiencing again the beginnings of a channel because I started this, the channel that this is on. I'm going to ask you about channel. the ST video. I watched that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so I made the decision a year ago or maybe less than that. I don't know. To to just have the podcast stuff on a separate channel. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it was really, fun. it was killing the views on any video I did on my normal channel, even yeah. though over time I was sort of like, well, I kind of would rather just do podcasts. Like it's sort of the the avenue that I'm going and the thing that I really enjoy is just putting a podcast video in with another versus a review or something. It was just like killed all traffic, killed everything. The algorithm just doesn't 
not that I don't think any of us understand the algorithm, but the algorithm just doesn't get that at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, because I I've just started a podcast channel for uh, I've started doing bike content, and and that's an interesting one because the the big question for me was do I do I put the that's push bike not motorbike. Yeah. Do I push the push bike content out on the main channel or do I do it on a different yeah. channel and start something new? Because again, you think, well, it's a car channel, bikes, is that going to be a problem? Now, as it happens, lots of people who own cars normally have two other interests. They normally like nice watches and they like, they like bikes, yeah. push bikes. Uh, they either like push bikes or absolutely hate them. But a lot <laughs> of them like, they like nice road bikes and mountain bikes. And it's actually worked okay. But the podcast thing, they, yeah, that's probably a very good shout. It's tricky, isn't it? Because it's making that call of going from, okay, I've got an established channel of sorts, whatever size it is, and to start a new one. Like the starting a new, a new channel nowadays, you have to get a certain number of hours, a certain number of subscribers before you oh, can monetize. Okay. Even then, like you're not necessarily making any money up till that point because the views are so small. Right. But starting from zero again, I... <laughs> It's so I, I, difficult. I can't get I can't get my head around the motivation I would need to do that. Actually, it's taken so much effort to get one channel up to where I am. To to start again uh, is a big one. I mean, I I have with with the Cycle Sunday podcast, um, and I've done that more actually because I just I've, a bit like you with doing the podcasting. I've I kind of been on one and listened to lots, and I thought that looks really interesting. Um, I want to give it a go, and I've, we've only done a few for Cycle Sunday, but they're really, really interesting to do mm. and and good fun to do. Yeah, just like um, you just get to talk and discuss a topic yeah. like properly yeah. without it being jump cutted because you've got to get it into <laughs> ten minutes and you can't go um yeah. and, and all of that sort of stuff. How, how does your content split now between cycling and so automotive? What I, I do three videos a week for the main channel: Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then. Um, I got talking to um, a, a guy who became a friend through being a subscriber um, who runs this amazing bike shop in um, in Edinburgh. And we've been talking about a long time about doing some kind of project together um, to try and do that crossover between bikes and cars. And, and in the end, we decided that what we were going to do is use the showcase of building the ultimate road bike to, to talk about all the engineering that goes into uh, a high-end performance push bike um and we decided we dropped that on the main channel to give it the biggest exposure possible really because we did think about starting from scratch but in the brutal world of youtube algorithms we we could create the best content ever and no one would watch it because they wouldn't find it yeah um so we put it out on a sunday uh, and we called it cycle sunday so it's like a mini series within the main channel but because the subject matter is so wide and so much of it, we thought, well, we're never going to get everything into a video that's 20 minutes long, 25 yeah. minutes long, which is really a sweet spot on YouTube. So we thought, well, we'll do a podcast. So at the, at, uh, after each video drops, there's a podcast goes live where we chat for an hour about the details of what was in that video. Um, you know, the it might be the, the technology behind a bike frame or the technology behind wheels or whatever it might be. I've got a YouTube channel for the podcast, but I also use it's on iTunes and yeah. a bit much like you do with this. And I found that really interesting because I didn't have a clue. <laughs> I really <laughs> didn't know. I thought, how do you do a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> so you then suddenly have to, and it's been great to learn the new things you need, the new, the different equipment you use, publishing it's different, getting, my goodness, getting it approved on iTunes. What a palaver that was. It took forever. Was that a, a faff? Um, 
No, it took uh, only took a couple of weeks, but a couple of weeks. I, I think it was probably no. a combination of of my misunderstanding how to do it, um, and and it just dragging its heels. But uh, and then Google as well was was weird. But I'm on there now, so yeah. Um, I remember yeah, there was a lot of forms. There's a lot of filling in. Um, but if you use, I can't remember my my provider, not sponsored, is Buzzsprout. And yeah, me too. And they go, you go, okay. When you when you start and start a new podcast, they they basically say, click all these links, like yeah. fill in this information, and then click all these links, and that takes you to each provider, whether it's Stitcher, Cast, or iTunes, or whatever. And then you have to drop yeah. in your feed and where you want to put it, and yeah. all that sort of stuff, and which category and then subcategory. <laughs> I think that's changed now. It's, it's one of the things that I've discovered over time is, let's say, the autom- iTunes automotive chart. Yeah. I think the only people that know who is on the iTunes automotive chart are people that produce content on the iTunes automotive chart. Because <laughs> it's actually impossible to, to find now. Like, if you go into the yeah. app, there's, <clears throat> there doesn't seem to be an automotive section. Um, <laughs> is cycling, does cycling have its own or is you under the leisure? Uh, no, I, it would be leisure. I've not found a specific one. Um, and it... I don't know how much how important those categories are, to be honest. But you know, it's it's. I found it really interesting, and I'm I'm really chuffed I've done it. And I think what we'll do when once we've built the bike, which um, we aren't we haven't quite got there yet in terms of the 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 we filmed episodes in yeah. a big chunk. Um, we'll probably carry on doing the podcast for sure, and then we'll drop videos every Sunday or maybe once a month or something, depending on when we've got content. But the podcast is especially because I'm in. The south of England and Paul's in Edinburgh. Yeah. Logistics are quite are quite tricky. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause it must be quite interesting. Have you seen a growth in sort of pulling one audience to the other? It's like adding some cycling content. There's a lot of people that it, I know. Tons of people that are into cycling. I know tons of people that are yeah. into cars. But I don't know. I wonder what's the audience size of the two. Like, is the cycling audience bigger or the same size or smaller than uh, a car I mean, audience? Uh, I mean, you've got massive cycling channels like GCN and, mm. and so on that are huge. So there is a big cycling community out there. Uh, and I've certainly seen, I mean, it's difficult to track, but certainly from comments and a few things, people have have, have found a cycle, one of the cycle videos and then come on and started watching the other stuff. Yeah. What's really interesting and quite pleasing for us is there are people who, when I, when I announced I was going to do it, said, why are you doing that? It's the car channel. It's going to be boring. Have actually said, do you know what? We found that really interesting, and and have, have they said, well, I might not go and buy a bike, but I just found it interesting. Yeah, um, because so I, which is always a good about information of what you've done. A year ago, two years ago now, this was when I first started getting cycling. I think I'd just done a bit of cycling when I saw you, um, mm. and I just bought a bike, or maybe bought a bike mm. just after, and I've done a, a a bunch more since. And there's so much crossover, I think, as much as some motorists like to hate on cyclists, and I think certain mm. individuals are causing a lot of problem for everyone else. Like, There's a lot in cycling that translates into cars in terms of you like mechanical mm. stuff, you like cool materials, all those things. Yeah. Like, it's an endless pit of engineering oh, it, and expense. Yeah, and what we've tried to do actually is a lot of the analogies we've been using have been car ones mm. to try and cross cross over. But I mean it, the the analogy of what we've done with this bike would be like me going out and specking a I don't know, a McLaren Elva or something. I mean we've literally gone out and built the the best bike. 
with the best frame, the best group set, the best wheels, no no expense spared. And when the bike's finished, it's going to be way too good for me. <laughs> is that even a thing? Is that I've heard that people what? say that before. Like, oh, I spoke to someone oh, yesterday oh. and they're like, I've got this bike and it's like too good for me. I'm like, that's just not true, is it? No, it's not. And it's all marginal gains and stuff. And, and you know, uh, Paul's jokingly in the first episode said you could buy speed. But, you know, it's about I've got nowhere to no complaint no nowhere to blame now if i do a sportive i can't blame the bike yeah yeah if i don't get round it's all on me now but um yeah it's been fa- it's been really interesting what really bike are you building uh a bianchi ultra xr4 which is the factory team bike oh um and it's having a campagnolo super record eps gear set so uh so it's it's yeah it's already super light of money it's going to be... I'm Is it going to be illegal, tool, so. light? No, no, it'll be... We reckon, we don't know for sure because we haven't built it yet, but we reckon it'll be just over sort of seven, seven and a half kilos. Um, but it's, yeah, I think we're already five figures. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> As in cost, not yeah, weight. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's going to be really cool. No, that, really is, cool. that is cool. Right, I think just before... You were on the podcast last time. No, actually, when you were on the podcast last time, you had yeah. a mini GP3 ordered. Yes. <laughs> what happened to that? <laughs> um, I cancelled the order. Uh, the, the, there's So a couple of things. Um, I ordered it long in advance before the car came out, before okay. we even knew what it was going to look like or before we knew what the spec was going to be. Although the car looked amazing to me, one of the things that I got from I got a long termer from Mini. I had a JCW Clubman for three months, mm. the the three hundred and six horsepower, so the same engine, same gearbox, but four wheel drive and a bit more practicality. And um, both my wife and I just utterly fell in love with that car. And for my lifestyle, I just thought, you know, as a YouTuber, GP three would have been the car to go for. But for me and and what I need to use it for on a daily basis, it was a no brainer, really. So we gave the press car back and went out and bought a JCW Clubman. Ah, okay. And I cancelled my order. What do you particularly like about the, the Clubman? Uh, it's just a really good all-round car. It's quick. Um, it's it's practical enough for us. It's not massive, but it's, mm. well, it's massive for a Mini. But it, it's it's got room for We've got a couple of dogs. got room for the dogs in the back. If you need to go anywhere and carry a bit more stuff, you can stick a roof box or a bike rack on the roof. Um, it's four wheel drive. It's just a very, very good car. And I think I bought a used one. So I bought, it was a four month old X demonstrator. Uh, book price was 40 grand. I got it for just over 30. Um, so it was a no brainer really. Yeah. Do you still have the S4? No, we got rid of that. So we ended, we had the, the, we had the two minis. So the Roadster and the Clubman and the S4. Uh, and we really want to buy an electric Uh car. Um, we're going to buy, or we'd want to buy a Tesla Model Y. Okay, but you can't order those yet. And when lockdown happened, we had three cars, and we were like, "Look, we're not, we're not, we're Going just anywhere. not using them all." Um, we've got, you know, finance on on the Audi and the, the Clubman. Let's just get rid of the Audi. And it was at a time when we got out of it and actually didn't really lose a great deal. So we 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 got rid. Oh, that's good. I was looking, and I know you've got one very similar, and I I love the S4. It's, it's such a good car. It's a great car, but I did look at how much i've paid for it and how much they're worth now versus a year later and i've it's not it's not been too good for me so i'm like okay i need to i need to drive no. it more and keep it for a bit longer yeah. for it to even out 
Yeah, well, we we actually we had to wait probably six months after we really wanted to get rid of it just to get the numbers to work, just to be a bit further into the finance agreement mm. and uh, and stuff. And that 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 for me is quite an interesting one because here's a YouTuber that actually can't just flip cars willy nilly whenever they want because it's a real car with a real finance agreement. And yeah. I don't have thousands of pounds to throw down the drain on on depreciation and, and losing cars. So, um, it, you know, there are YouTubers out there <laughs> that, that, that have these real world concerns. So, yeah, so it went and it was a sad day when it went, to be honest. Um, but um, we'll, we'll see when, when whenever we're allowed to order Model Y. Yeah, I've been isn't available yet. thinking about, well, I drove an electric car. I've driven a couple of electric cars now. Uh, mm. The most recent one, I drove a Taycan. I oh, drove the yeah. the baby so rear wheel drive. What a bit of kit! Have you, you have oh, you driven yeah. a Taycan? Yeah, yeah, I've the Turbo S. Yeah, the a phenomenal car. I, I found that one really interesting because prior to that, I've driven a Model Three Performance. Yeah, and uh, Honda E. Those are the only electric cars I've driven. And mm-hmm. the Model Three, after about ten minutes, I was like, okay, I've. I've done everything this car does. That was in town, so I didn't get to experience it around town. Um, but I got in the the Taycan or Taycan, and similarly, like first fifteen minutes was like, oh, this is like a really nice car, <laughs> and it's designed how I sort of expect cars to be designed. As in, I can see the speed in front of me on a dash, which with the Model Three, like you can't. Like, what is, You've got to be sort of driving along slightly looking left a little bit. And I think the the thing that most impressed me with that car is the damping. The way Mm. that car can go down like a bumpy road is Mm. just, I think it's it's almost like unlike anything I've driven in, definitely in that category for sure. I am. So I find it quite interesting with with electric car. If I've got a video I'm going to put out on Monday about just I've called it why why is the EV community so militant because mm. <laughs> they really are you know in comments and things because I think I think you can if you approach an electric car objectively you've got you've got two things you've got the car uh, and and what it's like to drive and and so on and you know something like a Taycan for me it's not just a great electric car it's a great car yeah I mean they are phenomenal pieces of engineering mind-bendingly quick or actually probably too fast like the turbo s for me i think if you bought a 4s or yeah. the new rear-wheel drive one that would be more than enough car this was absolutely you. fast enough yeah 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 i mean um and, and it's just a really lovely place to be and then there's the owning the car and living with the mm. car and then that then you have to take into account charging and, and charging at home charging in public and then the debate starts to get a little bit more challenging because as an ownership experience, I think Tesla have it utterly nailed. Yeah. And I think everyone's playing catch up and have been doing so for a long time. But if you're only ever going to be doing 100 miles a day tops, then it doesn't really matter because if you can charge it up at home, if you've got off-street parking in your own charge, you probably never visit public charging infrastructure at all. In which case, there's a whole bunch of really great EVs out there. I just had the the uh, the new uh, twenty twenty one iPace last week. Yeah, how's that? Um, and that was just a fantastic car. And I've got the I've got Mustang Mach E tomorrow, which I'm really looking forward yeah. to. Um, and they're really really good cars. But as soon as you need to charge in public, that's when for me the the problems start to happen because it's still it's still just not there really. Because I have a friend asked me recently. He's not like that into cars, but he wants to get a new car, and he was he wants an electric. It's like I just want it, you know, 
all the reasons. And yeah, he's like, what are your thoughts? I was like, well, I haven't driven many, but I mm. hear a lot of stories and I've had a lot of ownership experience from other people and stuff like that. And he does a couple of times a year, does a trip down to the Alps to go skiing or something like that. And I was like, yeah. you're just not going to do that trip in anything other than a Tesla. Now, okay, no. some other owners of other cars, there are other cars out there, will probably say you can. But from my experience and everything I've been heard, you don't want to be charging every 200 miles. Like no, Well, so I'll give you an example. So since we last spoke, I think I, you, I could tell you, but you weren't allowed to put it on the podcast. So I did the TV show Vintage Voltage. Yes. Talk to me about uh, And one of the things, we'll talk about that in a minute. One of the things we did with that was um, we, as part of one of the shows, we had to pick up a gearbox for a, a Chesil Speedster that we were doing. It's like a little Porsche Speedster replica. Mm. Uh, and we had to go to Hamburg. So we drove to Hamburg in a, an electric car, in a Kia e-Niro. Um, and we got there and we got back, but it was it was a very interesting journey. <laughs> you are at the mercy of a charging infrastructure. And sometimes it's phenomenal. The Netherlands was really, really good. Yeah. Germany was utterly shocking. Really? Yeah. I was listening to, it was a podcast, this podcast or a video recently, and they were talking about, it might have been the Ford, actually, the Mackie, and I may not have been, but essentially, if you put in your destination, and let's say I'm in mm-hmm. London and I've got to go to Edinburgh, and you put it into mm-hmm. your nav and your Tesla and all electric cars will go, okay, you're going to have to stop twice or once or whatever. Here's the stop. Tesla will yep. go, we know whether there's full or not supercharger, blah, 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 blah. And yep. this car was taking people when they were on a long journey to like the slowest slowest chargers in the world. As in like you turn up at this place and it would say, you need to wait 13 hours. And mm. like, but I'm on a road trip. I can't wait, <laughs> can't wait 13 hours to charge the car up. I think they are now yeah. addressing this and realise it's a problem. But I've said quite a few times actually, and I think actually going back to the Taycan, I think that's one of the things that Porsche have, have tried to address is the integration between the sat-nav and the charge network in most manufacturers' cars is quite poor, whereas in a Tesla it's phenomenal. And you're right, the, uh, that's the, the new iPaces sat-nav has that much much better yeah. so it prioritizes fast charges and those types of things but that's that's the living with the experience that you know and everyone says oh you can't you know because my my benchmark is uh, we've got a place in cornwall it's 230 miles yeah i want to be able to drive there without stopping and everyone's like oh you only, you'd only have to stop for 20 minutes half an hour and i'm like yeah but i don't want to yeah uh it's a it's a faff and and the worst thing is is you plan in a stop you get there and someone's just plugged in it's now not half an hour because normally there's only one charger yeah. it's an hour yeah um and, I, and it annoys me because i really like electric cars and and the the as i said the, the video I, I literally shot it yesterday i i just can't understand why people just can't understand or, or appreciate cars they don't you don't have to you know electric or petrol or diesel i don't care it's a car and i've got an appreciation for all those different types of cars and driving them as well i think if you want the emotion and the visceral feeling of driving a car an electric car is probably not going to tick that many boxes for you unless it's a porsche Taycan, um or the new audi uh, e-tron gt mm. which looks phenomenal as well but it, it just ticks different boxes yeah um, it's- a, a Taycan will bend your brain and your appreciation of the laws of physics i had one on a day where it rained all day pretty mm. much and i did a 0 to 60 test in the rain with the wipers on and it did it in three seconds yeah 
And and you could feel the the grip in them. Oh, it was just amazing. <laughs> it's amazing thing. They're amazing <laughs> things, and uh, they're just very expensive. Yeah, they are very expensive, and this this is definitely <laughs> a downside too. But then you can there are different cars one can find. But I think the thing that sort of really got me, you get it home, and I put it in the garage, and then. When I want to get in it again, you just unlock it and it starts warming itself up. Don't even have to think about mm-hmm. that. And then you get in, you're like, it's warm. And then you drive out of the garage and there's no fumes anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then you just zip round and you don't have to go to a petrol station ever. Mm-hmm. If you if you are someone that can use these cars... Well, if you live in London, like you, got, you do. And just my problem with those sorts of electric cars is it's a bigger car. The Taycan mm-hmm. is a bigger car. So for me... I'm always wanting, a bit like you, want to go down to Cornwall. For me, that might be go up to visit some family in Glasgow or I go to racetracks every now and then. So a big one for me would be, can I go to Silverstone and back? Which yes. is, I looked at it the other day, it's it's about 160 miles return yeah. from me, depending on which way you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which if your range is 240 something like that. Yeah. In theory, that's completely fine. But if you're driving on a motorway, Depends. you don't get the same level of range. It does go down. No, although, yeah, some of them do have some quite clever range modes, but that generally deadens things off so much they're not that pleasant to drive. Yeah, I don't want to be... It's like the, If it's the, the equivalent of you fill your ta- fuel tank up to the full with petrol and then you arrive home on fumes and that's the experience mm. you have, no one wants to do that. You always fill up like... 20 miles before or 10 miles before or whatever like so yeah, yeah. we're nearly there for that for me but yeah, not quite I think, for personally i think for most for most people's journey profiles i mean my other half we live three miles from her work so you know she drives to work drives around yeah. work a little bit each day and an electric car would be absolutely perfect um and um you know you charge at home we're actually having an electric charger installed at home in a couple of weeks time just because I'm getting more and more press cars that yeah. are electric and charging them on a three pin granny charger is not, not ideal at all. So, um, but yeah, no, I, it will happen. It will, it will get better. It has to, well, it has to, because yeah. have you driven any of the, to buy a petrol or diesel car? Have you driven any so, of the little ones? Um, like I have driven conventional manufacturers. Zoe. Ones. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Renault Zoe. Um, and, uh, Mini, I guess, is another small one. The, the electric Mini, I think, drives as good as a Cooper S. It's a phenomenal thing. Nice. Really, really good. But it'll do 120 miles, and then then that's it. And how much mm-hmm. is that car? Cheaper than the petrol. Yeah, mid-30s. Depend- they've got three levels of spec, so I think it ranges from high 20s to mid-30s, okay. depending on what, what whether you go level one, two, or three. Yeah. Um, but it, the, the equivalent trim level is cheaper than the petrol car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, what I love about Mini, they're made on the same line. So if you ever go to the Mini Oxford factory, is you'll see the cars coming down the line, and they'll be, you know, that's a petrol one, that's a diesel one, that's an electric one. They're all built in the same in the same line. Oh wow, yeah. Because that oh, that cool. for me is the that will be the next step. A small electric car for anything that doesn't need to be a long journey, and then yeah. I'm saving. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at something like an electric Golf, electric Mini, yeah. uh, I've not driven the little Honda thing. I desperately want to drive one. Yeah, it's they look fantastic that. little things. Yeah, um, those types of cars. But for city driving, they're fantastic. Yeah, and you um, and if you can do better, really. a little bit of extra, it all works. So you on TV? Yeah. You did a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> I am, or was you I are. am? <laughs> so well, yeah, because it's they're reshowing series two. Uh, sorry, series one 
at the moment. It's on Friday night on DMAX at nine o'clock. Um, so yeah, I I think when I when we did the last podcast, I was filming because I was actually when we when I left you, I drove up to Wales to do some filming, mm. but I wasn't allowed to tell anybody about it at that point. But I am. It's been on the telly now. So um, uh, yeah, it was. It's been. It's an amazing experience to kind of. I desperately wanted to get into telly, so to suddenly get that opportunity was was very cool. And what were you guys doing? Sorry, I haven't actually seen any of it, and <gasps> I know Sam. shock horror. But now I can now I can go and watch back season one. So we um, so the 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 series is made by the production company that originally made Wheeler Dealers. Mm-hmm. They're working or or the it's based in a garage in Mid Wales, Newtown in Mid Wales, called Electric Classic Cars, and they take classic cars and convert them to run on electric power um, by basically either removing the the engine and replacing the engine with a motor that then mates to the car's existing gearbox. Yeah. So you have an electric car with gears, which is a weird concept. Yeah. Or for the more wild conversions, you take the gearbox and the engine out and you put a Tesla direct drive unit in um, and then you get super levels of performance. That sounds... Uh, like uh, a Ferrari 308 with a 450 horsepower Tesla drivetrain that will do 0 to 60 in three seconds. What's that like? Amazing, driven it, phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> so, because uh, because the, the the really cool thing and what's what I like about the show, but but is it riles people? It gets people's mm. backs up big style. You know, or we're destroying classic cars and those types of things. Um, well. I mean, the guy who did the Ferrari, um, he'd owned that car for twenty over 25 years, yeah. I think. And my simple answer is, have you ever owned a classic Ferrari? Um, because if you do, um, then you often find yourself going to the garage to get them fixed, or they won't start, or there's constant problems. Any classic car is like that. And and he got to the point with, with his Ferrari that he, he, wasn't, he was only really driving it to the MOT station and back each year, and wasn't driving it, and it wasn't reliable. And... Um, he put a tweet up and Richard, who runs Electric Classic Cars, just sent a tweet back saying, I can make that car better. And spring forward a year or so later, it's running an electric drivetrain from a Tesla Model S. But when you put the motor in, you can uh, you can do other things. So most of the cars need changing uh, suspension, brakes, weight distribution. So you end up with a car that, you know, a 308 was never a brilliant driving car. Yeah. You end up with a car that has... Very different handling characteristics, um, but better. It just doesn't make a Ferrari V8 sound. And when you drive it, it's really funny because you come up behind cars and they they are seeing this red Ferrari, like Magnum PI Ferrari coming up behind them, expecting this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go. (laughs) It's really cool. So, so yeah, so they've done everything. In Series 1, we did everything from a classic Fiat 500, a little 1969 Fiat 500. We did uh, Ferrari 308, uh, Land Rover Defender 110. Oh, that's a 450-horsepower 450, 450 Tesla. Uh, in fact, tune into my channel tomorrow evening, so it will be live by the time this goes out, because they've done a Spectre Land Rover Defender, and that that will do 0 to 60 in five, five and a half seconds. And off-road, we took it, we drove it up the top of a mountain. It was amazing. Yeah, those sorts um, of cars off-road, electric, must be amazing. Presumably. Well, yeah, because what they do with the Defender um, it is the, the conversion itself is really interesting because they they use a large Tesla motor, which normally sits on the rear axle between the two rear wheels on a Model S mm. or a Model X. And they 
Um, they rotate it 90 degrees and put it in the middle of the car, the middle of the Defender, with one output drive shaft going to the front axle and the other one going to the rear axle. And then they upgrade the diffs in the axles and in the Tesla unit to quaff diffs. So you've got three limited slip diffs uh, and you've got zero uh, torque from zero RPM. It's just an incredible thing. Yeah, that's... Absolutely incredible thing. Which was your favourite of the cars you drove? Well, it's not actually one of the cars that we did on the series. It's Moggy, who owns the garage, Mm. um, has a Beetle um, that runs 600 horsepower, large Tesla unit. And that thing is utterly, utterly incredible. It's just... He's doing some stuff at the moment to try and turn it into the fastest Beetle in the world, so... He's a bit mad, his Al Moggy. He's like, okay, um, let's take this to the max. Well, that's what you want. The, 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 the great story behind it, I got approached to do it through YouTube. The production company needed a character in the show. to. I go off and look at engineering processes or I do all the client handover at the beginning, at the mm. end of each episode. And they approached me and asked if I'd do it. And I kind of did it, you know, had a couple of screen tests and things and then went to meet the guys in the workshop uh, to see if we got on okay. And I walked in and... We're having a cup of coffee and then Moggy was looking at me in a strange way and he just looked at me and went, University of Hertfordshire, 1990 <laughs> to 94, we were on the same course. And then I suddenly realised that we were on the, we were in the same course at university 30 years ago. Wow. No. Yeah, so. it, I found, so this is what I found with the Taycan, that, and it was the same with the Model 3. You sort of learn, I, I felt, I kind of learned everything about the car in about 20 minutes. Like yeah. the more you, if you drive it on some really serious roads, it, it mm. the, the Taycan especially was just amazing at dealing with mm. all that stuff. But the sort of stop go, the powertrain, I re, I was just like, okay, I've actually learned, I, I've, I sort of feel like I've, I've actually learned everything about this car in about mm. twenty minutes. Whereas in a car where you're changing gears and whatever, you yeah, you're yeah. constantly, you might be learning more, improving. How were these sort yeah. of slightly more nutty builds in that aspect? Um, well, they're really, in, yeah, I guess. I mean, the, 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 one of the, the characteristics of an electric car that, that you don't have so much in uh, an internal combustion engine car is the whole regenerative braking thing. Yeah. I know you get a little bit of engine braking, but I mean, some something like a, a, a Tesla has quite aggressive engine yes. braking. The Taycan, the same thing. You, I know you can turn it up or down. So you learn to use that in your driving. So... The cars that Moggy does, again, have that element of regenerative braking. Um, the interesting one, so the, the cars that maintain the car's original gearbox, so they take a, a smaller power motor, we often use something called a net gain hyper nine, it's about 120 horsepower or so, and, and they create a new adapter plate and make that to the existing gearbox in the car. So then all you need to do for city driving is just stick it in second or third and just leave it there. You don't, yeah. you don't need to change gear at all. And that's very weird because you turn the car on, you use the clutch to put the car in gear, but then you can lift the clutch off because it's an electric car, so you can't stall it. And then you just drive <laughs> it around on the throttle. It's really weird. And you can change gear if you're as you're going along. If you went onto a dual carriageway, you could change up into third or fourth gear. And you use the clutch in, uh, and change gear like you would normally do. But there's no um, like biting yeah, point. You just no clutch, no, change gear, weird. Yeah. done. Because you kind of get in it and turn it on and you're like, oh, I know it's on because <laughs> it's not making any noise. So uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're really, they're fun to drive. The little, and they're often, we did a Carmen Gear, for example, and beautiful looking car, but never has a car been made to look so fast and actually go so slowly. Yeah. 
because they had 30 or 40 horsepower. Well, this Karma Gear had 120 horsepower, so it was much more nippy, much more zippy in traffic. Uh, they sorted the suspension and the brakes out, so it went around corners and stuff as well. So they they are if you if you ignore the noise, which is probably the only bit that's missing, and 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 this is where you get grief from the kind of classic car owners appreciation society. They're often actually better cars to drive because they've got more power, more mo- if you like more modern levels of power, um, and better suspension and better brakes and better weight distribution, and they're they're great fun to drive. Yeah, no, it's 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 an interesting space, and like you said, there's there's sort of there's room for all of these things. You can have one, yeah. and you yeah. can have the other. And I absolutely yeah. will own an electric car at some point soonish. I don't know when, but yeah. for around town and short journeys and whenever I can make it work. And then I'll have yeah. a car with, that makes some noise for some fun other times. Exactly, and a, a lot of the guys that have had the cars converted because that's the big thing about the show. They aren't created for the tv show they're real clients with real money it's Mm. it's the client's car but a lot of them live in there was one of the guys um his son uh was coming back from having worked in america and owned a tesla in america and lived in dublin and they had a lancia fulvia uh, and they converted a lancia fulvia and that was going to be his son's city car and drive around and you get all the benefits of being in an electric car but you're looking cool because you're in a lancia fulvia um and and that that's what a lot of them you know, a lot of the owners want is that classic car style, but with the electric car drivability and, you know, environmental credentials and stuff. Yeah. And you do get, you get some really hardcore people at one end and hardcore people at the other end, but I don't think anyone, no one really likes cars that don't work. So if you've got a car that's constantly like not working or not reliable, Mm. I I can't Mm. deal with that. I don't have at the moment have enough time to go, I'm driving somewhere and I can mm. deal with a breakdown in the middle or at the start or mm. at the end. That's just not an option for me. Yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. I was speaking to someone the other day. They said, look, the thing I love about my classic car is tinkering with it at the weekend and fixing it. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Don't electrify it. But if you want one and you want to use it every day, um, then that's that's a way to go. And And most of the cars that we've done and are doing – very rarely are they concourse, yeah. super valuable, amazingly, you know, uh, uh, rare cars. They're normally, you know, they've got a story to them. You know, they've they've got an engine that's been you know, broken in the past and replaced with the wrong engine or has blown up or, um, you know, isn't particularly reliable. Uh, and I think we have this love affair with the classic cars and, and actually forget, you know, Ferraris are a great example. Everyone loves a classic Ferrari, but if... If you look at a Ferrari 308 when it's in bits, like I did when they were doing them, they are shocking. <laughs> they're so <laughs> badly made, it's unbelievable. You know, they're not... I don't know whether they've ever heard of, you know, spirit levels and yeah. set squares and stuff <laughs> in the Ferrari factory back in the day. Because there's like, you know, angles and, you know, you look at them at different angles and the bonnet line and the boot line would be different. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's obviously disclaimer. That's not necessarily how it is. That's not necessarily for our listening because I want to get a car from you. <laughs> <laughs> I've so I've driven a couple of Fords. Well, a Ford recently, and you've been driving some yeah. Fords recently. You've driven a, yeah. a, a, a company called Hendy Performance. Yeah, so you've had you've driven a Focus and an RS from them. Yeah, yeah. So what are they and what so are they, they like? They so so Hendy Group are a, a car dealership on the south that, that deal with across a whole bunch of different car brands. But their performance part, Hendy Performance, 
do all the kind of tuning work and stuff. And what they like to do is, I guess much like lots of tuning companies, they'll use a car as almost like a test mule to see just what they can get away with and, you know, what power increases they can get. They'll try out different parts, turbos, maps, Mm. uh, braking parts, uh, breathing parts like intakes and and exhausts and stuff. Uh, and they put them on the car and, and, and play with them and see how they go. And then that's what filters down into the performance upgrades they'll sell their customers. But the thing I love about Hendy Performance is they do that and then they let their customers drive the cars because they actually use them in their hire car or their courtesy car fleet. Oh, nice. So, so um, uh, and I'm, I've got a really good relationship with them. So they, they'll, they've let me play with a few and, and they are mega things. They've got a, you mentioned the Focus uh, RS that's running about 500 horsepower. Um, and that was so boosty. It was brilliant. It was it would be probably like <laughs> driving your F40, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're, nothing at all, and then everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just a couple of weeks ago, they, they got a little Fiesta ST, which is an older car. It's a 2015 car, I think. But that's running 340 PS or 335 horsepower. Can it remotely um, put that power down? Yeah, it was surprising. It's got a quaff diff up front and upgraded... Uh, clutch um and it was it was so i thought it would be because my mini runs 270 brake through the front wheels and it's got a quaff diff mm. and uprated clutch and that's a bit hairy um but yeah it was it was surprising i mean fiestas are brilliant anyway you had that that i noticed I you had the addition fiesta st uh with the quaff diff and they are brilliant brilliant little cars so when you give them a bit more power then they they, they just lap it up yeah I'm i'm definitely going through a bit of a sort of Low Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our thing at the moment of driving trying to drive small fun cars that are less expensive yeah. and um mm-hmm. and less power and the thing i loved about that st edition is it's 200 horsepower which yeah. you go okay that's less than 700 horsepower but it means you can it's still way faster than you can go on a road but you can put your foot oh. down for like a couple of seconds yep i the the, the one thing and when I got into YouTube, I thought, oh, I'll get to drive some supercars because I'm not in a position to be able to afford to buy them. And I've been very lucky. I've got to drive quite a few. I had the McLaren 620R um, a few weeks ago, Ooh. a couple of months ago now. Uh, phenomenal car. But on the road, I'd give me a Fiesta ST anytime. If you, if you gave me a bit of B-Road and a Fiesta ST or a McLaren 620R, I'd have the Fiesta every time because the McLaren's so fast – It'll do the speed limit in first gear, pretty much. So you can't really, you, on a racetrack, totally the other way around. So yeah, 200 brake in a car, 
I just you have so much fun without getting into loads of trouble. Yeah. And it's that's why, that's why I love the GI Yaris because GI Yaris isn't ridiculously powerful, but it's so much fun. See, I so I had the Yaris oh, one of those and the Fiestas yeah. sort of back to back, like two weeks apart. Yeah. And Yaris, I really enjoyed. And then I drove the Fiesta and I really enjoyed that. And there's bits about the Yaris I really like and bits about the Fiesta I really like. The, but mm. I found the Yaris so locked down. Like mm. it's just, you can give it like full beans the entire time and it will just take it <laughs> and off you go. Yeah. You don't feel like the car's moving around. Definitely not at the speeds I drive on the road. Like It was no. not happening. Whereas the Fiesta... No. It does move around. Like that rear yeah, yeah, comes yeah. around at yeah, sensible yeah. speeds. Yeah. Because I hear people about Yaris. Oh, Yaris is the rear wheel drive or four wheel drive with rear wheel bias. You can drift it and stuff. Mate, you'd have to be an utter hero to drift one of those on the public road because you'd have to be going so fast by the time you actually got the back end yeah. going. You'd, you know, I haven't seen like Solberg or something. many clips or any clips of anyone drifting one on a road. There's loads of videos of people in the wet, in the snow, whatever, pulling a handbrake. But yeah. like, you, no one is coming out of a corner on opposite lock. It's just, yeah. it's basically not happening. I do, I, I, it's things, you mentioned the handbrake. The thing I love about the, the fact they've engineered the handbrake to disengage the diff at the back so you can use it. I mean, things like that, yeah. it's just genius. They, um, it's a very, but, a very cool project. I thought it was, it's a, yeah. a very cool little car. It just yeah. has a lot of grip. Give me a Yaris with either a Fiesta or a Mini interior. Oh, winning Ooh. every day. I just couldn't. I couldn't live with the with the Yaris interior. I'm afraid. Yeah, the, it was the Fiesta interior. It's just They've a really so great car, that isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And they're not. They're not silly money. I know they're expensive. I mean, all. all I don't think there's such a thing as a cheap car anymore. They're not all. A new they're all silly money, really. Um, but I think, you know, you buy a year old. I always say to people, don't buy them new then. Buy a year old demonstrator. I've never bought a new car in my life. You know, I saved 10 grand on my Clubman because it was four months old. Yeah. <laughs> I had Great. I had this conversation with uh, Matt Pryor recently. Yeah. And I was asking him, I said, because do car journalists have a bit of a a thing here? Because does anyone in your office buy a new car? That's what I was saying to him. Like anyone any of the journalists sort of, and I'm going to be like kind of excluding, okay, you may not be going out to buy a supercar because you guys don't get paid enough. Like fair. Mm. But do you buy any new car? He was like, no, I don't think anyone. He was like, oh, someone had a, like a nearly new. And I was like, ah, yes, nearly new or like two years old or one year old. And we're all being fed these new cars to buy. But mm. no one, not many people I know in the automotive world actually buy new cars. Yeah, do you know why? Because they know that you, <laughs> unless you're very clever about it, you're going to lose a truckload of money. Yeah. And I, I, I get quite frustrated because I've never bought a new car in my life. And that's another reason why I bottled it out of the GP3 as well, actually, because I, I I thought I'll buy a new one because it's a limited edition and and it's probably a relatively safe investment. And I just started to get a bit worried about it. Mm. but. Um, all people seem to be interested in is what your monthly payments are going to be. And and for me, I mean, I've done a couple of car financing videos on the channel before, and I just think that's it's just not it's just not the only bit of the story. 
you, it's it's the total cost of ownership because people say, oh, you know, I can get this for such and such a month, and then I'll just chop it in for another one. Well, it doesn't work like that. You lose a lot of money. <laughs> it's and I, and I think I think you only have to be burnt once. I got burnt badly on a BMW a few years ago, um, well, fifteen years ago, and we lost a lot in yeah. like twelve months. And you only do that once. That's it. You only do it once, or unless you can afford to do it more more than once. Of course, which I can't. Yeah, but even even and and that's you know if it's it's one of those topics that actually makes me rage a lot recently. And I was on a phone call to a charity recently, and they were sort of telling me about what they do and stuff like that. And they hand out food to or give out food to people that can't afford to feed their kids. So it's generally aimed at mm. giving people some food. So. And they'd sent a food box around to a house and it was a, you know, like it was quite a nice house and they had two new, like, decent cars on the drive and then they couldn't mm. afford to feed their kids. And you go, well, I, something's gone very wrong. But ultimately, I was like, I just don't understand how this happens. But mm. their outgoings have exceeded their income and... Those two cars are probably a, a major part of that. And it's something yeah. that it really makes me rage about kind of how finance is pushed these days. Everything is about yeah, yeah. what the monthly cost is. And yeah. if you are aware of all of the facts and you make the decision, yeah. fair. I, I know someone who uh, is in the car trade uh, and had a customer who, it's a couple of years ago now, they, they, were, they were in a finance deal um, and they wanted to get into a new M5 competition. Um, and they talked to my friend about it and then and then they ended up going via a BMW dealer and they rolled their finance into an M5 competition um, and then he came to my friend probably about 10 months later 12 months later saying look I, I need to kind of get out of it can you run the numbers and see where I am he was £50,000 in negative equity and that you know you might that's doable quite easily if you're not careful if you just keep rolling things in and and I know some people play the game. I just, I just don't. It's not a game I want to play. Um, I, my mini's on finance, my my clubman, but it's you know I check the total cost of ownership, and, and at the end of it, I I know I'll either buy it out or I'll, uh, I'll 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 move the car on. But I'm comfortable with that, and I would be financially able to do that. Um, but so many people don't think about what that number's going to be. They enter it because they think what the monthly's going to be. They need to get out of it twelve months later, especially the amount of people in the kind of current pandemic where they need to get rid of their mm. outgoings and think, I oh, know I'll get out my finance agreement on my car. And then you go and get the numbers run and you're going to lose a truckload of money. Yeah. You just can't. It's, it's like, it, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't accept that loss. And it's not like accepting the loss. I don't have the money to pay it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a real, I think it's, it's a real thing that's on my mind at the moment. And I, I just, the thing is, I've tried a couple of times to to put that subject out, and you do get a lot of of quite kind of opinionated people. Uh, but and, and it's at the end of the day, it's everyone's everyone's got to make their own their own decision about where they finance stuff from. Um, but I just I do think that there's there's a danger of people going into agreements that are in the long term going to be financially very bad for them. Yeah, and if 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 you've like you said. If you know all the information and you've made the decision and no one's pushed it on you and gone, this is cheap, then absolutely. Like, I have some finance. I know loads of people with have finance, but 
if all goes wrong tomorrow, I'm not in a really bad way. And if I have to get rid of one of my cars, I'm not in a really bad way. But mm. it's just that thing of, and I've spoken to so many people or a couple of people and they're like, oh yeah, but it's only this amount a month. A typical example was this guy, friend that got a Tesla. Now he got a Tesla because all sorts of benefit in kind deals through work and whatever. But yeah. he went from a car that was worth virtually nothing to now they've bought an ex- a new Tesla and they'll keep it for three years and then they might buy another one or something and you go, okay, well, as long as you're happy with the total amount that's going to cost you, and I think it works out fine for them or whatever, but like you get at the end of that, you have no car and you have spent that amount of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if that's yeah. okay, if you're okay with that and you go, oh yeah, but I can yeah. get a new one. Like, yeah, so for then the next three years after that, you've spent the same yeah. amount of money a year. Yeah like owning a new car every year for five years. That's why I love my, so my little roadster out there, I bought that cash, okay? And and uh, at the time I was looking at buying an Audi S5 Cabriolet and it was going to be like 42,000 pound car at the time. This is five years ago. And I bought my Mini for 20 and I paid cash. And I've always loved the car because I've always owned it outright and it costs me tax and, uh, you know, an MOT and a service each year and the insurance, that's it. Yeah, and and it's great. I love it. And, and I, you know, I know that's, but a bit like you, the most a really common comment I get when you film a car that's quite an expensive car, because let's face it, most cars from your BMW, Audi, that kind of, they're normally sixty, seventy, eighty thousand quid before you even start getting yeah, lop off on it. Twenty after you've bought it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and people say, oh, but it's not about what it, it's not about how much a car is; it's what it is per month. I'm like. That's actually not true. That's incorrect. <laughs> that is an incorrect yes. statement. Yes, yes, yes. It's what you put in, what you pay a month, what it's worth at the end. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, it's it's uh, it's a, it's an it's an interesting topic, and I just I would just like there be, to be more from the industry side of realistically, like this is what it's going to cost. Like yes, this might be a month. But you're not putting that yeah. into the car. That's literally you're paying interest or whatever, and yeah, yeah. you're not getting this back. Yeah. You you do not own yeah. an asset at this point. And I guess the challenge for the industry is it's not in their interest to do that. But no, because they just want to sell cars. They they should do. And there are companies out there that are very much about a long term relationship with the customer. So you don't you buy a car and screw them over after two years. They're not going to come back and buy another car from you. No. But if you can kind of make it a longer term play, then that that's good. But I think there's a responsibility for for car creators on YouTube to do more of that as well. I think there's a lot of, and I'm not naming names or anything, but there are a lot of of uh, cars owned by well known YouTubers that are financed in ways that aren't necessarily apparent to how it appears on screen. You know, and, yes. and you know, I I think it would help a great deal with the youth that watch YouTube especially to understand that some of these cars have a have a backstory behind them they're not just you know you don't just start a YouTube channel and afford to buy these cars that they, they cost a lot of money they do and um, like you said like various brands lots of the german brands and other brands offer deals for hmm. people and historically they've been for celebrities or if you're a racing driver, if you're part of the BRDC and stuff like that, you get really good finance deals. Like one that was going around recently, M2, and it was like 
a couple of grand down and then I think it was 200 pounds a month. And you go, <laughs> where do I sign? Uh, and and e- even then... Total cost of ownership. Even then, you, I look at that and go, okay, you're still five grand in the first year and then it's yeah. another two grand. Okay, that's still a relatively cheap deal for the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like yeah. buying any of these things new, loads come with discounts. You get hefty... Di- I know multiple situations where people have had cars for essentially they can give the car back at the end of their time with it two years sell it and they've not lost any money because the price that they've actually paid for it is less now Mm. this does not happen with all brands and all manufacturers and whatever but there are certain brands and certain cars where there are insane deals and no that youtuber has not paid full list price (laughs) and if it was they they would not do it yeah, it's 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 a sort of transparency thing. I don't think anyone would have a problem. Pop a can of worms are opening there, mate. I think it's fine though. Like, I don't think anyone, no honest, genuine person, and I'm not saying anyone isn't. If you spoke to them about it and directly asked them, said how much are you paying a month yeah. or how much is it costing you, they'd be honest about that. And then the flip side as well, from the YouTube point of view, is you can offset costs if you're a certain size and you generate a certain income, and it's all through YouTube. You can offset like depreciation. You can offset uh, anything, any money you've spent on the car because it's a business. And that is, mm. that's another side of it. So it's not necessarily, mm. they might have paid full, full whack for it, but they can just offset mm. so much of the costs. So it's not, yep. that's another yep. way of it, it can work. So it is. So that's the only reason to do YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And enough money through YouTube so you can start offsetting your car habit. That's a, that's a great way. So, yeah. so you did, have you done some racing? You were going to yeah. do some catering um, racing. Did that happen? Uh, yeah, I did catering last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I raced with the catering graduates um, racing club last year at Silverstone, which was was fantastic. I, the year before, I'd done enduro ka uh, a couple of rounds mm. of that, which is which is a brilliant fun series to do. But I, yeah, the chance to race Caterham, because I ha- used to own a Caterham, and, and in fact, that's the number plate from my old car. That's the only bit of the car that I've got left <laughs> over my shoulder for those listening. Um, but yeah, the that was it was a mega weekend. Um, I, very, very scary and very enjoyable at the same time. Because Caterhams are, because uh, I'd done racing in either a Clio or a Ford KA, they're an enclosed car. Yeah. So you can get quite... You know, rub door handles with people, and you're in the inside a car in a catering that you're not. <laughs> There's like <laughs> wheels and suspension bits sticking out, and you're open to the elements. So it was, it was a but a brilliant weekend. Were you um, wearing arm harnesses? Uh, yes, I was. But interestingly, so on the test day, I had I didn't have them, but I got some for the race. Yeah, this, they're very weird for people that have not come across this or don't know what this is. Um, what was I racing? I raced an MX-5 for a bit and I, someone was like, mm. have you got arm harnesses? And I was like, what are you talking about? And essentially, mm. there's some leashes that you attach to your, to your five-point harness and yeah. they clip in and they go around your wrists or your arm yeah. and, then they, and then they are a certain length. So you're basically your hands cannot go over a certain distance from the belts. Because yeah. what happens in open cars um we don't use yeah. them in a radical because you're really deep and it's not it's just not so much yeah. of a thing but if you've got a sill that's lowish what happens is you can mm. be in an accident and your arm can get thrown out of the car 
and there are multiple cases of this, and then your arm gets crushed between whatever the car is and whatever it hits, whether it's another car, a wall, the floor. Yeah. And there are some horrific injuries from people's arms going yeah. out of cars and then getting absolutely mangled. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't even know it was a thing until I went out and did some practice and then someone came and says, where, where are your wrist restraints? I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? And, and we got some. We, I borrowed some off somebody for the race. But yeah, they're weird because they're very... It's a bit like the first time I wore a hands device, it was horrible mm. for the first 20 minutes because you're so restricted in terms of your head movement. Um, uh, but And it's the same with the wrist restraints. But after a, after a little while, you kind of get used to them. But yeah, it was it was amazing. I have to say, though, a lot of the guys that have done that do Caterham graduates have already done the Caterham Academy series for either one or multiple years. Yeah. And then what happens because the the Caterham the Caterham Academy has a set number of years, and then at the end of it, you have to kind of drop off and go and do something else. So the the, the graduates club are for those people that just want to go racing Caterhams mm. but not be part of the academy. So they're all proper handy peddlers. <laughs> there were some really really fast guys. Um, and I was, I was chuffed. The first race, I got best improver, so I actually won something. I won a little nice. trophy, so I was dead, dead, dead chuffed with that. But they're so fast, so so quick, um, but brilliant fun. Yeah, it was, it was a, a one of those memorable YouTube uh, experiences that I wouldn't have done had it not been for YouTube. And I'd love to do some more. I've got well, my license is there. It's hanging. I've got it here, <laughs> dangling in front of me. So I just need to try and find some racing this year. Uh, which is yeah, I haven't I haven't managed to do so, but hopefully I will do. For your license, did you have to go and do like a ECG and stuff like that? Uh, no, not yet. Um, so not yet. If I wanted, um, so I've got a nas- race national, which is what was the national Nas- A now. So national B. So it was national B, and then you do six races with the cross on the back, yep. and then you go to national A. That's now race national. Okay. So I've got that. But I could get the international license, and that's the one where you need to do a stress test ECG. Because I know last year I was going to do some racing in a little metro at Spa and Le Mans, and I, I thought I might need an international license to do that, so I looked into it. But it's really expensive. It <laughs> the, is much more. The medicals like the medicals three hundred quid. The license is three or four hundred quid. So you're you're in for quite a lot before you even pay for all your racing and stuff but I didn't need it as it happens. Have you got that? Yes, and if you do need to do that, the problem I think I ran into when you're trying to upgrade from yeah my National B, National A to I'm um, International C, like you said, you need you need a whole bunch of stuff done by different doctors and different people and whatever, which then costs a mm. bunch of money. I found a doctor that will do them all in one. Oh, and I think it cost me like 100 quid. And he did them all in one go. Wow, wow. Um, I'll, I'll speak, we'll speak after this because yeah, I'd love to have it as much as as much just to say because sometimes a, a couple of years ago I had my national B and I got a, an opportunity with um, Alfa Romeo and they uh, they said look would you like to come out to Italy and drive this race car <laughs> and and I had to have an international license and I, I said I've, yeah. I've not got the right license um, so it's it's a bit like you'll find a lot of YouTubers have a race license, not because they race, but because they want to be able to drive up the hill at Festival of Speed, <laughs> which, is, Absolutely. which is a very, very good reason to have a race license yes, if you're so a YouTuber. For any manufacturers listening, if you need a random person, <laughs> yeah. I have an That's international right. C some... license. <laughs> yes. That, that, well, yeah. And, you know, uh, joking aside, I, I will, I'll, you know, you let it be known to 
to manufacturers that you have and you're going to be there because the amount of drivers that don't turn up at, at, at FOS. I mean, I got a drive, it'd be three years ago now, in a, in a £5 million Alfa Romeo because the driver turned up without his licence. Um, and I drove up in this one-of-one one 1959 1900 Sports Spider. Beautiful, beautiful thing. Unreal. Um, yeah. It's- and that was, I had a meeting in the morning with Alfa Romeo and just said, oh, I've got a race licence, by the way. And they rang about 40 minutes later and went, where are you? <laughs> Our driver's not turned up. Get to the assembly area. Amazing. We'll meet you there with a race suit and a helmet. I am totally, totally going to start putting this on any documentation that goes out because yeah, they, I sort of assume, and I don't know why, definitely not rightly, definitely wrongly, that when you're doing stuff with people or whatever, that they vaguely look into what you do. And the answer is not necessarily or sometimes. And yeah, because I've had Just the question them out by giving the information. Exactly, exactly. You've got to you've got to put as much information in front of them as possible. Um, but I've had one where i can't remember what i was trying to drive it was something something quite interesting and part of the forms they were like oh do you have a we were doing something like oh do you have a driving license i was like what do you mean do i have a driving license this is this is like a stupid question <laughs> like, i understand you clearly there's been no looking at all but like do you not see what we do here like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no it's it's um I always try, you know, you try and let let people know. Um, the one I'm doing this year, I'm I'm going to be doing my Institute of Advanced Motorist Masters this year, uh, and that I had a call about it last night, and I'm actually quite intimidated by it now. What do you have to do uh, for that? So, that's, so that it's it's the highest civilian driving qualification. So all on the road, mm. uh, it's basically the level of driving that a high speed pursuit police driver would drive to. I think there are only something like a thousand people in the country that have it. Um, so uh, yeah. It's it's going to be quite interesting to. I've I've been at Advanced Motors for thirteen years, um, but I haven't really done a great deal with the IAM. But I'm going to be doing that this year. So do you, do you find that, that, that hot off the press? I haven't even announced that to the channel. Oh yet. well, yeah. There we go. Breaking news. Probably <laughs> yeah. in a month. Yeah. Da, da, da. Uh, <laughs> so basically, you you get assigned a mentor, and then you uh, it takes about six one and a half hour sessions to kind of get to the point where you can have your test. And then the test itself is hour and a half to two hours uh, on the roads. And you have to do a commentary drive okay, for yeah. the whole of that. So, yeah, it's it's pretty full on. Um, but it's not – a lot of people think, oh, you know, do you go fast and stuff. You can't – you're not allowed to break the speed limit. If you break the speed limit at all, you it's it's almost like an instant fail. So it's not it's not beyond the speed limit, but it's all about safety and observation and – um and planning and positioning of the car and you you need to make progress you need to drive quickly but within the within the governs of the law um but yeah it should be quite interesting i found i always found those things quite interesting um because i remember tim to me he did Mm -hmm. his advanced something ages ago he was telling me about Mm -hmm. it he was saying yeah you have to do this commentary drive um Mm. blah 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 and it was something that i it used to interest me and it does driving better does interest me and like mm-hmm. having a better process for driving does interest me um and then i think i've sort of got lost on it because i just started doing loads of track driving but it's not the same that's not the same thing they're very different um techniques i mean the the big one the, the big difference between uh roadcraft which is what the police get how the police get taught to drive which is what the institute of advanced motorists teach is uh you don't do any engine braking 
Um, so in a in a track driving, you'd heel and toe, and you you know you change down through the gears. Yeah. And all that. You don't do any of that on the road. So it's it's you know you you brake pedals to stop, your throttles to go, and 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 you don't use the engine for braking at all. Um, so it's very different technique uh, of driving. You don't use the engine, you, but you engine no. braking you brake when you hit the brake pedal. No, so you, you so if you came into a corner and let's say let's say you came you were in fifth gear and you came up to a corner and it was going to be a third gear corner, you would you would slow oh, the okay. car down with with your brake. Yeah, um, and then when you got to the corner, you'd maybe even block change from fifth to third. And then you then you'd accelerate through the corner in the correct gear. So you okay. don't you don't you you wouldn't change to fourth, lift the clutch, brake on the engine, change down to whatever. So yeah, it's a very different technique. But do people but, do that yeah, on track in a non sequential no, no, car? No, I'm just thinking like if you had to go from a fourth gear corner to a second gear in in a sequential, obviously you just go boom 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 boom, which yeah. would be doing the engine braking. But in a manual car. Yeah. I don't know. People do people do that? I guess, I it, guess people uh, do. It depends on how hot on a track day I would. Uh, I'd go down through the gears and and and. But if you're racing, I remember when I did the Clio racing. I thought well, I haven't got time for changing down gears. I'm just going to smash the brake pedal and go from fifth to second or whatever it yeah. might be. I don't know. I, I think it, it absolutely case by case basis because I know if I'm, and this will just be my skill level at changing down and matching revs and whatever. I probably would lean towards going fifth, if it's into a second gear corner, fifth, second, and do that rather than go fifth, fourth, third, second. Because I know I wouldn't mm. be able to comp- keep consistent braking pressure through three yeah. gear changes. I guess it also depends on, on the car and how easy it is to heel and toe and, and those types of things. Yeah, that's a quite okay. This is a question I will ask a racing driver next time I talk to them. Yeah, yeah, get, get someone who knows what they're talking about <laughs> yeah, on yeah, the yeah. podcast. Just two guys see, going like, see, see what I don't know say. how to do this, so uh, can we work yeah. this out? Ollie, Ollie Webb, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> Sam needs to find out how to how to break into a corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do not know how to break. <laughs> what else? What else have you been doing? The oh yeah, you've driven the M2 CS. Yes. Yeah, I was very lucky. I've done one of those for a week, actually. Nice. Um, yeah, well, I was on Cup Twos, though, and it was a really wintry, cold, wet huh. week. So it was a little bit uh, sketchy. I don't know why press teams put press cars in the winter on summer tyres. I had a Julia Quadrifoglio in the summer, in the winter, on P0 courses, and it was just horrific. But no, the M2CS, what a car. Amazing car. But here's the thing, and I, I kind of said it in my video. I, I think it is an amazing car, and clearly it's like 25 grand more than an M2 competition. But I think for the average driver, even a pretty good driver, the the, the extra bits, the extra difference, I think most people probably aren't good enough a driver to tap into. So I think you'd just be better off buying an M2 competition and saving yourself 25 grand. When, and you don't even save 25, you save 35 or something because an M2 mm. competition, you don't have to buy new. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, true. And then maybe chuck five or ten grand at a big brake kit, you know, some suspension, up, suspension upgrade, decent exhaust, um, and and you'd end up with a car that that would be ninety percent of the of the car you need, really. Yeah, I, that's not that's not to say the M two CS isn't an amazing car, and I, I wanted one badly after my week with it. The one I had had the carbon ceramic brakes, which again for me on the road were just six grand that I could have spent on something else. Yeah. They, no brake, less brake dust though. <laughs> clean, clean, that's probably the only advantage you get clean wheels. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is really quite nice. I had a friend that had 
a GT3 for a while, a GT3 RS, and it had red wheels, and he had the no- he yeah. didn't have ceramics, and he's like, he's oh. just cleaning these things like every day, and I, I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't have this issue. Um, <laughs> the the thing like the CS, I would love to drive one back to back with a competition, just to, yeah, to really, really compare back to back, and then I yeah. watched a video, a Harry's Garage, Harry Metcalf video recently, yeah. and he was talking yeah. about the weight of the CS. Now, on mm. paper, the CS is listed as like the same weight as a competition, pretty much, if you look up yeah. their numbers. But he then added up all of the weight-saving things on the car. It's got lighter wheels. It's got yeah, a lighter bonnet. Less. It's got a lighter roof. It's got lighter interior. Like, all of these things. And he's like, I don't... This doesn't make sense that it's got... <laughs> Where's the heavy stuff? Like, what's heavier? <laughs> and... um yeah, I know. I think he got it down and was basically like, I think it's about 90 kilos lighter. He hadn't weighed it yet. So someone, someone yeah. weigh one and tell me, is it lighter than the competition? Because it damn well yeah, should that's be. that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Because if it's 100 yeah, kilos where, lighter, that's a lot. Yeah, because where's the weight gone? Because it's not, can't be engine, gearbox. But yeah, it's a really good point, actually. I've not thought that. So some, someone somewhere, if, if anyone's listening and anyone's got one or got access or come across the weights of an actual mm. customer car of a competition versus a CS, actually someone like Litchfield yeah. might be a good one for that because they get these cars yeah. in all the time um, doing their remaps yeah, yeah. and things. No. I mean, they're a sensational car. And I think, you know, that, that and the M5 Comp are my two favourite BMWs. I've got, I've got the new M3 and M4 week after next. Um, and I can't wait to to get my hands on those two. So that'll be that'll be interesting to drive those back to back. I I think it, it will be interesting. I spoke to someone about these cars recently, and I got in a bit of a rage. So I, I will avoid this topic. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> I'll uh, move on, shall we? <laughs> no, I think it, from a driving point of view, I think it would be really interesting to drive, yeah. see what's changed, all that stuff. Styling wise, you're not so keen. I can't. I can't. Uh, yeah, just get rid. I, I, this is the same thing. Of like, well, one, I'm not the person that's buying a new M3 or an M5 yeah. for all the reasons previously discussed in this podcast. Yeah, I'm not an idiot. Seventy five. But grand. I'm not saying yeah. if you want to and you accept that you're going to lose thirty grand or whatever, fine. But I'm not even going getting to the asking about the finance numbers because I just, it's just I'm just not buying that car. It just looks. Awful. <laughs> They they do look a lot better in person than they do on the pictures. I mean, I I think when most of us saw the the nostrils and stuff, it was like oof, hello. And then and then you see one and they grow on you quite quickly. There's lots of cars. I've got a Mini Clubman, and when that came out with the rear doors, it was like, what on earth is that? Yeah. And now I've got one and I love it. So it, they do grow on you. But yeah, I, I can I can I think it's less. I think they look look less garish on the M cars because they don't have. The, the kind of biggest surrounds around those nostrils. Mm. So they kind of sit into the oh, car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I, I just can't wait to drive them. I've heard so much about having spoken to a few people who have driven them. The one thing that no one can really get their head around is the fact they're rear wheel drive. They've got so much traction. Right. Uh, I saw Chris Harris said he, he had the car for two days before he realized it was rear wheel drive. He assumed it was an X drive, <laughs> which I thought from Chris Harris, that's quite. Quite yeah. a good quote. So. That that yeah. that comes down to this cars that are so locked down. Anyway, it's it's a. Yeah. I I will report back in in two years time whether I think it looks good because a car that I thought looked pretty weird when it first came out 
definitely a lot better than this, but weird, was the Aston Martin Vantage, the new shape. Yes. And I now look at a Vantage with the non-changed grille. You know, you have two options. Yeah. And I go, yeah. oh, that looks quite cool. Looks quite modern, different, have, cool. Have you seen the new F1 edition? Yes. Oh, it's just, oh, lovely. Quite a cool thing. Yeah. But I, I, like, I'm not about the wing. No, oh, I see. I love wings like that. So yeah, that that would be that would be me all over. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of got that GT8, GT12 esque thing. Yeah. I always thought when it came out, what would that be like with a kind of GT8, GT12 wing on the back? But the GT8 wing like is massive. Oh, true. Yeah, that one's yeah. like a piddly little performante <laughs> wing thing. You want a bigger wing? If it's going to have a wing, it needs a bigger wing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> needs some downforce. Yeah. Land 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 aircraft on it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do like, and they're great to great cars to drive as well. The Vantage. That's really that's nice. a car. I've been looking at sort of cars of that ilk recently, and mm. I I haven't driven one yet. And I, it's, it's it's a car I'd really like to drive, and it's got loads of. The thing that sort of surprises me about that is it's got loads of boot space, like tons. Mm. Same as yeah, the sort yeah, of yeah. F type. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got probably got more than an F type actually, because I think F type. If you get the convertible one, it's it's. Oh, did he? Like, yeah. There's very few cars have less boot space than a convertible F-Type, let's face it. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be the one thing. The one, my one problem with convertibles is boot space. Uh, yeah. Boxster yeah. does quite well, but everything else, you just yeah. have nothing. And I, I look at those cars and go, well, I would like to take that away for a weekend. And then you go, but you can't. <laughs> you need a mini roadster. You need a mini roadster, mate. They've got massive boot in a mini That's roadster. That's the one. That's the one. There you go. <laughs> I guess a golf clubs in mine. Ideal. Ideal. I normally wrap these up with five questions. Since you've been on here before, oh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll edit it down a <laughs> little bit. Five car garage. Unlimited value. Oh, unlimited value. Mm. Hypercar stroke supercar wise would have to be either a McLaren F1 or, uh, and you'll like this one, or a, or a Ferrari F40 for me. Because they are, they're the poster cars of my, my youth. And, yeah. and I think, they're both, unfortunately, they're both, you know, ridiculously expensive now. But I just, there's something about both of those cars. Um, although now you maybe want the new Gordon Murray car because that that looks sensational thing. Oh, it's a very just the tech specs of that car oh, get me very excited. That I mean, we can nerd out when it comes to engineering in cars. I nerd out with that, or you talk about the the kind of Koenigsegg engineer yeah. and the engine. And, and the free valve technology and stuff in that just it blows my mind. So, um, but yeah, that would be the kind of the the, the hero or poster car in there. Um, an everyday car would probably be something like an RS six or an RS four. I think just just from a they're practical, they're fast, and and not um, a Taycan. Uh, the electric car, I'd have a, I'd have the Taycan. Um, actually, no, I'd probably have the Taycan, the, the new estate version, the, the Turismo one, Sport Turismo, because that does look. Oh, what really about good. though? It's got the stupid plastic black coloured bits on the arches. <laughs> okay, I've, I've given away my opinion on it, but like, <laughs> <laughs> um, my, I think that the the Taycan, whether it's that or the the Sport Twister one, would be my other half car because she, I have lots of press cars, and Tracy absolutely loved the Taycan, like really, really loved it, and and Porsche very le- kindly kind of ensured her to drive it, and she just loved it. It was um, so great. She'd thing. have that. And Sport Turismo yeah. guys would be the one for me. 
just yeah, yeah, way yeah. more practical. Um, but yeah, but I'd, okay. I'd, I'd, I'd pro- I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to having that and something like an RS4, so the petrol car, just to kind of balance them off. Yeah, I'm not forcing um, a Taycan on you. So you've got an RS6. No. You've got an F1. A Taycan and an yeah. F1. That's three. Um, I'd have a track day special car. I'd have something like a Caterham 420S or something like that. I, I, I love my Caterham and I, that's probably the only car I've ever had where it was a real special Sunday car. I'd take that out just to go out for a drive. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a car uh, before or since where I'd literally get in it just to go out for a drive. Yeah, just um, for the and even experience. some press cars when I have those, just to go out on a Sunday, I'd I'd uh, uh, I'd just get in it and I'd just go out for a couple of hours drive and, and and I'd do that quite happily every weekend. So I think a Caterham or some kind of track car. But I think Caterham nail it to be honest in terms of you know you can look at things like a KTM Crossbow or uh, something, but I think Caterhams are just mega little things. They they are just phenomenal. They're just phenomenal yeah. little things. And in fact, that reminds yeah. me, I need to hassle them to let me have a go in another car Def, definitely um i probably wouldn't go as mad as a 620 because uh, i think i think 420 for me is the is is the sweet spot there just mm. over a couple hundred horsepower because mine was 150 horsepower super light and that was it was quick but it could have just had a little bit more and i think that's what the 420 would would give me yeah um and one then more. the last the last one would be um i'd really like some kind of um kind of off-roader type thing either something like a wrangler rubicon or a defender an old defender um a really nice you know old shape defender 90 like an urban one or something mm. you know it's really nice i just i've always loved defenders i know they're terrible cars to live with but i've always loved them and i, I you know i'd quite fancy a defender i think yeah it'd be quite a good add another element a bit of off-roading yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I've done a, a fair bit of off roading and, and uh, did some last year with with. Oh, I'm going to do some really cool stuff later this year. Actually, I'm going to Morocco to drive across the oh, desert sick. with an armed forces charity later this year, um, and it's great fun. So yeah, something like that would be wicked. Yeah, there you go. Is that five? Yeah, no, that's five. That's five. I, I just need to do my. I need to do my lottery numbers now so I can actually afford to buy any of those. I'll admit, I as much as I like the idea of electric cars, I still love petrol car cars and when i saw that you can yeah. now get a v8 in the new defender and specifically yeah. i was like a new 90 with a v8 in it i was like that's just a cool thing like it's not how is that not yeah. a cool little car to cruise around in quite, not quite even a small. lot of money a lot of money i might change i might just go back slightly and change my mind if i'm having a taycan turismo instead of the rs4 i'd actually have a, a delta integrale Ooh. i think a rally spec Lancia yeah. delta integrale i drove one of those recently they are to get a good integrale now. You're looking at eighty grand. Wow! Um, they are for, going a, up. for a limited or for a special edition one. Um, uh, but I've got a friend of mine who's got a beautiful rally spec one in the Martini colours and stuff, um, and and he'll make one for you. Um, uh, and they're about hundred grand. And I would just die for one of them in the garage. That would be wicked. Yeah, I might. I might kind of. I might almost not have the Caterham and the RS4 just to have that because <laughs> that would be wicked. No, that that yeah. sort of style of car, and I was chatting to someone about this yesterday about rally, like road spec rally cars, with their yeah. slightly lifted, slightly more yeah. supple suspension. Like on the road, that is the sort of car you want to be driving because it'll move around. You can feel the weight yeah. balance go everywhere. You can play with it, yeah. and it'll be super comfy. And they, may, I mean, my mates 
Delta Rally car. It's running 370 horsepower and it's it's full full FIA spec, so it's all ready to go. And the noises it makes are just phenomenal. You just think you're driving a Group B car, basically. Yeah. It's just fantastic. No, awesome. If you could only drive one car for the rest of your life and you're allowed a 500 pound something on the side. 500 pounds? No, on the side. To buy the car. One car, rest of life, plus yeah. 500 pounds on the side. Wow, that's a good question, actually. It would probably be a fast wagon of some kind, I think, that kind of does it all. Mm. Um, you know, I've mentioned that RS4, RS6 before. They're, they're just such good cars. Uh, they do everything. They're four-wheel drive. They're loads of space. They're fast if you want them to be. They're comfy if you want them to be. So I think if it was a can't drive anything other than that, it would probably be a fast wagon like an RS4 or an RS6. An old banger. I just love an old mini, but you can't get an old mini for five hundred quid anymore. No, they've gone up. <laughs> They're quite expensive now. I'd love a, I'd love a classic mini at some stage, but they like all of these things. If you, you miss the bandwagon on them, then you, you're stuffed, really. Well, not necessarily. You could catch up. Yeah. You could, you could catch up. <laughs> yeah, I've got to, got to work out what the next big thing is. Yeah, exactly. And you just, you just have to. Your channel when it gets to a million subscribers, you might be like, oh, oh yeah. I'll get, I'll get <laughs> yeah, complete yeah, the mini garage yeah. and get an old one. Yeah, well, true. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could be the next, I don't know, Stradman or something. Yeah, right. What is the best value car for under fifty k? I'm going to do an electric one and a petrol one, if I may. Yeah, I think the best. Best one of the best cars for under fifty quid, fifty grand would be a, a Kia e Nero. Okay, I think they're brilliant things. What is that? As a, they, they're a brilliant electric car, and uh, as long as you're happy with driving a Kia. But I think as an all-round driver's car, I don't think you can go too far wrong with something like a little Fiesta ST or a um, Hyundai i30N, something like that. That would be that 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 type of car. I think. Mm. I think you have to go off the off the. German brands. So if you know, look at Hyundai i30N or i30N Fastback. They are phenomenal cars to drive, and they're not silly money, especially if you bought a year old one. Yeah, and they've got amazing warranty. Um, and and you know, the, as a as a as an ownership proposition, I think they're they're brilliant things. Cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think something like that. Veering off the German for a bit. I, I was when I'd had that Fiesta. Now people that have owned them for a while will just say i'm an idiot but i was massively impressed by the sort of build quality feel of the car like you shut the door and it's like mm. that was not an, an image i had of a fiesta until well, i haven't it, been it, in one it for wasn't it wasn't like that until quite recently i think ford in the last maybe five years or so they've just upped their game their interiors have got a lot better because they used to be a bit mm. bit rubbish really but yeah and the new focus is the same it's, it's a really lovely car Drive a Focus ST line or ST. They're lovely, lovely things. Yeah, um, they've come a long way. Yeah, they sure have. Final question. What is the most interesting cool. car to you at the moment? We mentioned the Gordon Murray one. Yeah. High, in terms of high-end car, that or Valkyrie, I just think from an engineering point of view, I could read stuff about them and listen to videos and interviews with Gordon Murray or Adrian Newey till, till the end of time. I just find them really, really interesting. Yeah. Cars I'm really looking for. The car I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on is the Hyundai Ionic Five, which is a new EV that they've they've only just released renders of it, but it just looks brilliant. And if it's anything like the other electric cars that Hyundai do, it it it, it will be a good car. Um, which might surprise people because they might be thinking, you know, surely it's the new Mini or the wow, that is you know, a cool looking thing. I just think it's going to be. It's a really cool, isn't it? You've just pulled out. It looks like a kind of 
got some quattro in there yeah. and it's a really interesting cool car that is yeah it is <laughs> how big is it is it yeah. a small car it's compact suv type oh, size okay. i think again i don't i I'm, I'm desperate to get my hands on one because um, i don't know what the time frame is in terms of of, of them being available but I just think if they're using the because Kia do that they do sorry the Hyundai um, uh, do some great great electrics as well because um, they're all use the same Kia and Hyundai they very similar electric platform underneath so it, it will it will have good range it will have um, you know nice interior loads of tech and it's not going to be silly money so. yeah I'm I'm all about I think it's it's amazing how <laughs> all, loads of brands now are starting to make really cool looking cars it doesn't have to be oh you've got to go to the high-end german brand to get a good looking car there's all these other brands are making really cool looking stuff the the one i like cupra formentals are really cool as well that's another lifted one isn't it <laughs> it's just yeah it's a kind of yeah it's a a kind of suv compact suv oh, type form but just again interesting it's quite quite a cool looking car it's quite. A, yeah, they got. Quite they've like, it's like a Golf R underneath. It's a three hundred horsepower four wheel drive. I'm. I'm. I'm somewhere that. in the middle of SUV. <laughs> I understand a lot of people like them, and I. Yeah. Sort of like oh. them, but I sort of don't. <laughs> and if it's a performance car, I'm like, well, we'll just get a lower car. It's nice to have some things in the middle, I guess. People buy them. People love <laughs> their McCann turbos Absolutely. or whatever. Cool. Yeah, it's a good car though. Is there, is there anything you want to shout out? Where can people find you? Find you on Instagram? Uh, well, obviously, find me on YouTube on Petrol Pet. Um, have an, an, an eye out for Vintage Voltage on DMAX on Fridays if you're in the UK. Yeah. Um, so that, that's been a good series. Uh, but yeah, no, just just head over to the channel if you like cars or your bikes. Then I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Just just search for Petrol Pet and you will, you will find me. Um, and hopefully you'll subscribe and, you know, we'll, we'll get even maybe 150,000 subscribers yeah. one day. Yeah. Well, maybe, well, we'll see. Well, next time you come back on in the unknown amount well, of time, uh, we'll, hopefully yeah. we'll hit another another milestone. Maybe it'll be 500. That would well, be a good one. I did 50,000 in the last year, so I've doubled the channel size in a year. So hope you never know, in a year's time, maybe I'll be yeah, 200. Could be, yeah, 200, 250. <laughs> That'd be good. I'm, I'm definitely going to check out some of your cycling content because it's something I'm slightly interested in. Yeah, you are a cyclist, so the bike we're building, you are, it's, it's, it's nuts. Mm. Yeah, I'll have it's, it's going to be amazing. Cool. Well, amazing. thanks very much. Brilliant. Pleasure as always, mate. And next time, hopefully, we'll be able to share a coffee in person rather than yeah. doing it over the, uh, over at Tinternet. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.